Well, I want to say good morning, for, uh, good evening, first of all. Let me just uh, ask you, I'll tell you, the, the team that put our service together today, we worked on this for about two months, and uh, the spoken word was fabulous. The, we don't have any better musicians anywhere, I don't think. Would you just let them know how much you love them and how much you appreciate what they did? I want to welcome those of you who are here in our building tonight and those who are watching us online and watching us by TV. You know, when a man and a wife uh, find out that they're going to have a child, I still remember when I was in seminary, um, Teresa came home. She was working for a, a lawyer. She was a, a legal assistant. I don't know what, understand that term. What is an illegal assistant? But anyway, she's a legal assistant. So she came home, and I, I, I just got back from class, and she walked in the door. I can still hear it today, just as fresh in my mind. She said, we're going to have a baby. And I knew my life was about to change, but right then we had to make a decision. What are we going to name the baby? Every parent has to make that decision. Now, we have three sons. We made our decision-making easy. First of all, we said we're going to give all of our boys biblical names. I'm just, that's just kind of a thing with me. And so we said we're going to give them biblical names. And then those of you who know me for a while know I'm big into alliteration. So we're going to give them all the, a, letter, a name that starts with the letter J. So that was easy. We didn't really, you know, some people today, they go on the internet and they go on the, they get these thick books and they come up with these names from Mars and Neptune and all these crazy places. Well, for us, it was easy. We're going to go to the Bible. We're going to find names with J that we like, name them the names. Easy. But I came across some true names I'm going to share with you. I'm not making these up. These are true names that parents have actually given to their children. Now, to be frank, I don't think they thought some of these names through very carefully. You, you can decide for yourself. But these are actual names that parents gave to their children. Here's the first one. Robin Banks. <laughs> Barbed Wire. Just in Case. Loud and Clear. Artichoke. I love that one. Artichoke. Rusty Nails. Anita Mann, <laughs> and Lois Price. I, I, you know, it's crazy. But one more, this is my favorite. This is my all-time favorite. Now, this was not a name given by a parent to a child. It was actually a lady named Helen who unfortunately married a guy with this last name. So her name was Hell and Back. <laughs> and that's what she thought her marriage was after about 10 years, by the way. So the point is, at Christmas, we also celebrate a baby that had a name. Little children know his name. People who never, don't even believe in Christianity know his name. They know his name is Jesus. However, he was not actually given just one name. A lot of people don't know this. He was actually given four names. He was actually given these four names before he was born. He was given these four names before he was even conceived. He was given these four names before his mom and dad, his earthly dad, were even born. And they were not names given to him by his parents. They were actually given by a prophet. Boys and girls, you won't believe this, but this man's this prophet's name was Isaiah. And about 700 years before baby Jesus was even born, this prophet explained Christmas before anybody had ever experienced Christmas. Seven, get this in your mind, seven centuries, 700 years before that cradle rocked and that star shone and those angels sang, 
And the wise men gave gifts. And Isaiah, Isaiah this prophet, dips his prophetic pen into inspired ink. And he wrote on heaven's birth certificate four names that that baby was to carry all of his life. And in those four names, we find out all over again why in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we not only find the greatest gift God has ever given to this world, we actually find the only one that we really need to make it in this world. If you brought a Bible or you've got a phone or an iPad that you use, we're in an Old Testament book called Isaiah. We're in the ninth chapter of Isaiah, if you want to find that while I'm talking. And let me tell you what's going on. This prophet Isaiah, God has spoken to him. And walking in the past and looking to the future and giving good news for the present, Isaiah names this baby. Now, at one time or another, we all need this baby. You say, why do we all need this baby? Well, these four names are going to tell you exactly why. Now, before I get into this, let me help you understand something. This child has many titles. We think of them as names. They're not names. But he has many titles. For example, Lord, Master, Savior, Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Rose of Sharon, the bright and morning star. He's got title after title after title after title. But Isaiah doesn't give him a title. He gives him four special names that this child will be called. And what you're going to see tonight, this very brief message, they are a perfect fit for who this baby is and why we need this baby so much. Now, here's what's good news for you. A lot of times you come to a Christmas Eve service and you say, okay, I've, I've heard this before. I've heard the Christmas story. I've heard you for years. Some of you, I've been your pastor for 25 and 30 years. Man, I've heard everything you've got to say. I, I've got it memorized. I want to make a promise. I'm going to hit every one of you some night, to somewhere tonight where you are. Every one of you. I'm going to hit me because I'm going through a couple of things right now in my life you don't even know about. So I'm going to hit me. So I just want to ask, don't raise your hand. But how many of you would say tonight, if, if, if you could tell me, if we were just one-on-one and I were to ask you this question, yeah, I know you came in here and you put on your Christmas face and you sang the songs, it's Merry Christmas, and Santa Claus is coming, blah, 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 blah. But how many of you tonight are hurting? Can I be honest? I'm hurting. Teresa's hurting. I'm hurting. So you say, boy, that's me. Well, let me give you some good news. For the hurting, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. The wonderful counselor. I'm in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Here's what Isaiah said. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, say that out loud, wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. Listen to this. You may not know this. There are over 106,000 licensed therapists in the United States. People today are going to psychologists, psychiatrists, psychoanalysts, and therapists in record numbers. And they're looking for answers to all these problems we all have in life. Now, before I say anything, I want to make, make something plain. There are some good therapists out there. We, I've, been to, to, I've been to a Christian therapist before. Teresa and I have been. And, and there are some good therapists out there, and they're experts in their fields. And they, they can help a lot of people in certain situations. Here's the problem. A therapist can give you two things. He can give you advice, and he can give you opinions. The problem is, both of them can be wrong. But this wonderful counselor, he doesn't give advice. He doesn't even give opinions. He gives 
truth. And he will never steer you wrong. His counsel is always the right counsel. His advice is always the proper advice. As a matter of fact, in one chapter later in chapter 10, Isaiah is talking about this counselor. Here's what he says. The Lord of hosts, he says, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. Now, I don't mean to be ugly or unkind. You may be going to therapy right now. If it's helping you, that's great. But I'm absolutely convinced after having experienced therapists that many times, I really believe this with all of my heart, if we would just simply listen to this wonderful counselor and if we would just simply take the advice that we find in the book that he wrote, we wouldn't need a psychiatrist. We wouldn't need a psychologist. We would not need a therapist. After many years of studying human behavior, now, by the way, I don't want to ask you to take my word for this. After many years of studying human behavior at one of the finest universities in the world, a Harvard professor who taught psychiatry, listen to what he said. Nothing that I've discovered about the makeup of human beings contradicts what I've learned from the Hebrew prophets such as Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Amos. From the book of Ecclesiastes and from Jesus and the lives of those he touched, <clears throat> anything that I can say as a result of my research into human behavior is a mere footnote to the lives of those in the Old and the New Testament. Do you know what this guy said? He's, he's a PhD. He teaches psychiatry at Harvard. He said, you know what? I've counseled a lot of people. You can't beat the counsel in that book. You cannot beat the advice that comes from Jesus. You cannot beat the advice that comes from the Word of God. The greatest counselor you will ever have is the Son of God, and the greatest counselor you'll ever find is in the Word of God. Their advice is always true, and their counsel never fails. Every time I've ever gone to Jesus for counsel, you know what I always wind up saying? You are wonderful. So you're hurting. You have a wonderful counselor. Then there may be some of you tonight, you'd say, deeper than that for me, I'm not just hurting, I'm hopeless. Teresa and I are feeling that way tonight with the situation we're dealing with. We just feel like, where's the hope? We, we, you know, we, we try, we've worked, but, but where's the hope? Well, I got news for you. For the hopeless, he's the mighty God. He's the mighty God. You're hurting? You have a wonderful counselor. But if you're hopeless, he is the mighty God. Here's what Isaiah said. And he will be called wonderful counselor. Now say that out loud. Mighty God. He is the mighty God. Now why is that so important? Here's the big deal. Watch this. A great counselor can tell you what to do, but he can't give you the power to do it. This counselor, he not only can tell you what to do, he can empower you to do it. He can give you the strength to do it. As the mighty God, he is in complete control of the universe. He is mighty in his presence because he's omnipresent. He is mighty in his power because he's omnipotent. He is mighty in his perception because he is omniscient. You say, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? Here's what it means. As long as there is God, there's hope. As long as there is God, there's help. As long as there is God, there's healing. For there's nothing impossible with this mighty God. You know, there are a lot of what I call mini gods out there right now. Little idols, you've seen them. People put them on their desk or put them up on their cabinet. They've got about as much power as a dead cockroach. 
And then you've got these mythical gods out there that never even existed. Somebody made them up with a story that people wish were true. Isaiah comes along and says, let me tell you about this Jesus. He's not a mini God. He's not a mythical God. He is the mighty God. Let me tell you how mighty this Jesus is. You ready for this? He can take any bad thing into your life and turn it into good. He can take nothing and turn it into something. He can take a nobody and make him into a somebody. He can take the worst that life gives you and make it the best you could ever dream about. He is the mighty God. So you say, boy, pastor, I'm, I'm hurting. You got a wonderful counselor. Pastor, I'm, I'm hopeless. You got a mighty God. And then some of you say, man, it's worse than that. I'm not just hurting. I'm not just hopeless. I feel helpless. The situation I'm dealing with right now as a pastor, I have never felt in all my years of living more helpless in what I'm facing than I feel tonight. So if you're helpless, he's the everlasting father. For the helpless, he's the everlasting father. Listen to what Isaiah said. For us to, to us, a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called wonderful counselor, mighty God. Say it out loud. Everlasting Father. He is the everlasting Father. Now, that phrase, everlasting Father, literally translated is, is this. He is the Father of eternity. Now, now, what does that mean? Understand, in the first century Jewish mind, whenever they thought about a father, they, they thought about someone or something that was the origination or it was the, 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 the source of all things. In one way, you might say, I'm the father of this church. I, the, the, this, the, the idea for this church was birthed in my mind. I'm the one that started this church. God led me to start this church. You might say, yeah, you're kind of the, the father. That's what they meant. So what he was saying was, that little baby that was in that manger 2,000 years ago, he was the father of all things eternal. That's why the Bible says he's the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the father of eternity who can make an eternal difference in your life. Let me stop right here because I thought about this. Some of you out there right now, this is your big problem with God. It's that word father. Because you didn't have a good father. Maybe you had an abusive father. Maybe you had a deadbeat father. Maybe you had a father that ran out on you and your family and your, and your mom. Maybe you had a father that wasn't loving at all. And you really struggle with this concept of God as father. Can I just help you on something? When we talk about this father, let me tell you this. He is not a delinquent dad. He will always be there for you. He will never walk out on you. Tell you something else. He's not a deadbeat dad. He will provide every need that you have, and he will give it to you exactly when you need it. He's not a distant dad. He will tuck you in bed at night. He'll wake you up with a kiss in the morning. He will put his arms around you as you walk through everyday life, and he will never, ever leave your side. He's an everlasting father. So I feel for you tonight. Well, Pastor, I'm, I'm hurting. I get it. We have a wonderful counselor. Pastor, I'm at the end of my rope. I feel so hopeless. That's all right. He's there. We've got him. I'm helpless. I, I, nothing else I can do. He's the everlasting Father. He's the mighty God. But then there's some of you who are saying, can I tell you how hard it was for me to come tonight? 
I don't have a lot of Christmas cheer in my heart. And you know why I don't have a lot of Christmas cheer in my heart, pastor? No, tell me. And you almost say it with a trembling lip and a tear in your eye. It's hard to fight it off. I'm where you are. Because what you're saying right now is, I'm so heartbroken, my heart can't even hold any Christmas cheer. Well, I got a word for you. For the heartbroken, he's the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Some of you may have heard, in fact, let me just read this verse to you. For us, a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Say that with me. Prince of Peace. Now, this is a tough one. Some of you may have heard, you probably haven't, but some of you have heard the name Bart Ehrman. Let me tell you about Bart If you don't know who he is, that's okay. Bart Ehrman is a professor at the University of North Carolina. He's a best-selling author. He's made a lot of money questioning everything the gospel say about Jesus and Christianity. He claimed to be a believer at one time. He claimed to be a Christian. He claimed to be a follower of Jesus at one time. No longer. Totally rejected Christianity. Totally rejected Jesus. And he is making a mint going out there and telling people why. Don't be a Christian. Don't follow Jesus. It's just a bunch of hunk and junk. Well, he was at a forum. And somebody asked him a great question. The question was, what would it take to get you to believe in Jesus? He gave a simple answer, but it, it really was so interesting. Here's what he said. If Jesus had fulfilled his promise to bring peace on earth. If Jesus had fulfilled his promise to bring peace on earth. Now, I want to be honest. If Dr. Ehrman was here, I'd say this to him. I'd say, you know, Doc, you do have a point. I mean, let's be honest. Look around. Doesn't seem to be a whole lot of peace on earth right now to me. <laughs> I don't have to tell you this. You think there's peace in Georgia? Look at the Senate race. You think we got peace in Georgia? Look at the presidential race. We're at loggerheads. Tension is high. You're afraid to say anything. You don't want to offend anybody. And here we are coming up on Christmas Day. And let me tell you one thing I know is going to be happening tomorrow on the Lord's birthday. Somebody somewhere is going to be fighting tomorrow. Somewhere, somebody tomorrow, somebody's going to be arguing tomorrow. Somebody somewhere, there's going to be shooting tomorrow. Somebody's going to kill somebody else tomorrow. Somewhere, some way, somehow. So, what about this peace that Jesus promised? Where, where, where is this Prince of Peace when you need him? And by the way, you're the Prince of Peace. Why didn't you deliver? Well, this is where I think Dr. Ehrman's totally wrong. I say that he did. I say he delivered it big time. You know why? Because I believe that Isaiah and this name have something much bigger in mind than just peace between nations. When Isaiah said he was the Prince of Peace, he wasn't just talking about horizontal peace between nations. He was talking about a vertical peace. A peace, not between countries, but a peace in the hearts of the people who live in those countries. Can I tell you something right now? Yeah, we're dealing with a very difficult situation right now in our life. I'm being transparent. We are. But there's a peace in my heart tonight. There's a joy in my heart. I'm not up here giving you an Academy Award winning performance. Some of you might say, man, if I knew what you were going through, boy, I don't know how you could do what you do. Because there's a peace in my heart. There's a joy in my life. See, people right now, you know what they're doing right now? I mean, talking about while I'm in this room, they're popping pills, 
taking tranquilizers, hitting the bottle, sniffing glue, smoking dope, seeking peace somewhere. And Isaiah comes along and says, you want peace? Find him in the Prince of Peace. That's where you'll find peace. The peace that lasts. You see, when you truly give your heart and your life to the Prince of Peace, you will have the peace that can only come from God. You will have the peace of God, and then you have peace with God. By the way, that's exactly what the Lord Jesus meant. He was talking about peace one time to his disciples, and he warned us, and some of us forgot what he said. Listen to what Jesus said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. This is where Dr. Ehrman doesn't get it. I don't give to you as the world gives. Jesus would say to Dr. Ehrman, dude, you got it wrong. I kept my word. I delivered. As a matter of fact, I never promised there'd be peace between nations. As a matter of fact, I promised you there wouldn't be till I come back. Oh, but I am the Prince of Peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. When you have the peace of Christ in your heart, nothing can trouble you. When you've got the peace of Christ in your heart, you won't be afraid of anything. The Bible says, I will not be afraid of bad news because my trust is in the Lord. He is the Prince of Peace. See, any peace made by a diplomat, it can be shattered by a sneak attack, a sniper's bullet, or a terrorist bomb. But the peace that Jesus gives can weather any storm. So, 1968, Ronald Reagan was governor of California, and he had to face big decisions on capital punishment and taxes and budget deficits and all these other problems. Well, one day his aide, Michael Deaver, said he, he, he walked into, into Reagan's office, and as he opened up the office, Reagan had a small bottle in his hand, and he had it to his lips, and he was taking a pair of big, you know, a big gulfs, swallowing that the liquid. Well, Reagan noticed him, and, and he held the bottle up near his face, and said, well, Mike, 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 it's not booze. It's not booze. He said, this is a drug for an upset stomach. And he said, Governor, what's wrong? He said, my, my stomach's been killing me. I got to drink this stuff several times a day. The pressure of this office is killing me. Well, a few months went by, and, and Deaver was talking to the governor. And all of a sudden, he, he said, Governor, he said, I got a question for you. He said, you know, you said your stomach has really been bothering you. And he said, I haven't seen you use that little bottle in a long time. And this is what Ronald Reagan said to him. He said, well, Mike, he said, I'll tell you what happened. He said, when things were getting worse, all those early months I was in office, you know what I did? He said, what? He said, I kept looking over my shoulder. He said, but then one day, it hit me. Why don't you quit looking over your shoulder? And why don't you start looking above your head? And he said, all of a sudden, I got peace from my stomach. I don't need that stuff anymore. That's the Prince of Peace that I'm talking about. So let me just wrap this up. We'll be finished. On this Christmas Eve, I want you to understand something about that baby born in that major 2,000 years ago. What I'm about to say, I want you to know, save your emails and your phone calls. I know it's not politically correct. I know it's not popular to say. I know some people think I'm being intolerant. That's okay. Everybody needs this baby. The Hindu needs this baby. The Buddhist needs this baby. The Muslim needs this baby. The Jew needs this baby. The Republicans need this baby. The Democrats need this baby. Liberals need this baby. Conservatives need this baby. Educated people need this baby. Illiterate people need this baby. Everybody needs this baby. The hurting needs him. The hopeless need him. The helpless need him. The heartbroken need him. And that's why we ought to leave this building tonight sharing with anybody we can all the time, everywhere, with everyone, the one person the one person who can solve any problem, the one person who can soothe any pain, 
the one person who can save any person. So boys and girls, can the pastor tell you tonight just how great that little baby was? That little baby was so great that giving him just one name wasn't sufficient. Giving him just one name wouldn't cut it. Isaiah said, oh no, you need these names. Because that baby didn't come just for one set of parents. He came for the whole world. And I'm telling you tonight, from your beginning to your end, he is all you need and he is all you could ever want for Christmas. Would you pray with me right now with heads bowed and with eyes closed? I want to talk for a moment to those of you in this room and talk to, for a moment to those of you who are watching right now on your computer, on an iPad, on your cell phone, by television. you got to make up your mind about that little baby. I've said this many times. I'll keep saying it. There's only one of two things that can be true about Jesus. Listen to me carefully. Either he was just another baby or he wasn't. I'm telling you tonight, he wasn't. Because I met that little baby when I was a nine-year-old boy, and he instantly and forever changed my life. I want you to receive the greatest Christmas gift you'll ever get. Let me tell you the greatest Christmas. Listen, you know what was in that cradle? You say, I know it was a baby. Oh, no, that's not what was in that cradle. Can I tell you what was in that cradle 2,000 years ago? Forgiveness of your sin was in that cradle. Eternal life was in that cradle. A changed life was in that cradle. God for you, God with you, God to you, God in you, that was in that cradle. And you need that baby. Would you like to take him as your Lord and Savior tonight? If you say, yes, I would. Would you just say this to Jesus right now? It's so simple. Just say this. You're in the room or you're, in the, you're watching. Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm hurting. I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. I'm heartbroken. I need you. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. You died for my sins. You came back from the grave. You're alive right now, and I believe it. So tonight, I repent of my sins. I turn away from my sins. I give all that I am to all that you are, and I trust you to save me right now. Now, you're in this room, look up at me. If you're watching on TV, look right here around. You're looking at my internet. If you prayed that prayer with me and you meant it and you really, really surrendered your life to Jesus, I want you to do something right now. If you're, doing, if you're in this room, do it right now. If you're in this room, you say, man, I prayed that prayer. I want you to get out your cell phone or get out your iPad or whatever you're using. Here's what I want you to do. I either want you to go to crosspointchurch.com slash decision or easy way, just text yes Jesus to 56525. You prayed that prayer. You asked Christ into your heart. Either go to that website or text Yes Jesus. Here's what you'll find. When you do that, there will be steps there that we want to show you how now you can begin your walk with God, how you can take steps to be everything that God wants you to be. If you're in the building tonight and you'd like to talk further about your decision one-on-one -on -one with someone or if you're hurting or hopeless or helpless or heartbroken and you'd like someone to pray with you, out in the lobby we have a table called Connection Point. You just go to that table. There will be people there. They're trained. They know what to say. They know what to do. There are people there that will love on you. They will pray with you and they will encourage you. Now, I want all of you, if you will,